folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at Finn Cycles and Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret that pros know. A larger, lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet. The winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence. Grip golf pride. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Finn for a course that has them near you. All right, now back with me is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patcher. You can visit him and improve your golf game at his new indoor facility, which looks fantastic. It's down there in Naples, Florida. Got all the gadgets, all the technology that you'll ever need. He's teaching all over the central and northern parts of the country this summer. In fact, like I said a moment ago, if you're anywhere near the highway right now in those parts of the country, keep your eyes out for that white Chevy Silverado and give Tom a wave as he passes by. If you can't flag him down, you can download the V1 video app and send him a video of your golf swing through there or send him a question on his website, tompatry.com. You can also subscribe to his newsletter while you're on his website. Tom is also a member of the TaylorMade Leadership Advisory Board. He was a two-time first-team All-American at Florida Southern and won the Division II National Championship in 1981, was inducted into their Sports Hall of Fame in 2004, has his own show now on Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Instagram Live with them with some really wonderful guests. His guest this week is a guy, I don't know, his name rings a bell. Can't quite place him. Maybe TP can help me out there. Hey, TP, how are you, my friend? Chrissy boy, how you doing, pal? <laughs> Fantastic, TP, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing great. Hey, listen, I got a little surprise to you here. Um... As you know, we talked earlier today. I'm on the east end of Long Island, back in my home turf, and uh, I know you, you know you followed my my career for a long time. But I've got a little brief guest appearance for you tonight, right here in the TP Golf Studio from Jack Delac. Wow! Yeah, how's it going? Good, Jack. How are you? God knows we've all I'm heard great. so much about your golf game. Good luck to you, my friend. So, I'm great, thank you. So Jack and I played today, Chris and. He turned after nine holes, and, and he had the coach four shots down. After I shot one under in the front, and I shot three over, and and it just didn't work out at the end. The coach kind of came through in the back with a couple under, hit a couple birdies, and shot 73, and Jack shot his best score ever, Chris, 74. Wow. So good congratulations to you, Jack. I wish he had beaten the old man, for crying out loud. I'm looking forward to hearing that story when it happens. <laughs> well, you're going to – it's going to happen pretty soon, Chris. He's really starting to hit the ball good. He's going to – just sneak up on his 15th birthday, and he's starting to really pound it out there pretty good, so it's not far away. So, Jack, t let's talk a little bit about your time with TP. What, what's something that TP has taught you that has made your game better? Well, I don't even know where to start. Uh, I mean, everything, everything. I mean, just today, he, he, you know, before, before we went out and played, he helped me with my putting so much, and I hadn't really felt comfortable over the ball in, in a little while. And I went out there and I had 28 putts and I felt great. There you go. So, Jack, I mean, I think Tom talked to, talked a few months back when we were checking in on the, on the status of your game and you, and you've won some tournaments. Talk about the, the success you've had this year. 
so far this year, there hasn't been much success just because, you know, everything that's been going on. But um, I have had a little success late in the year. Last year, I won I won two Met PGA tournaments, which is the local junior tour. And um, I won my conference championship in a playoff with, with a senior. And uh, and I I honestly don't think that I could have done it without South GP. There you go. I only had to write a small check for that. That was not bad. No <laughs> 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 doubt. That's awesome. We're going to let Jack sign off now. He's got to go eat his dinner and grow strong and get bigger, and then you and I can get to it here. All right. Sounds good. Jack, take care. Best of luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. So TP, I want to get your now. thoughts on some things going on around the game of golf here in the last couple of weeks. First of all, let's talk John Rahm and the win. What did you think about what you saw on Sunday? Well, I mean, that was impressive. I mean, to you know, play that golf course in those conditions coming down the stretch uh, was re- really probably without his best game on that back nine. Just hang tough. You know, he made a couple of key up and downs in the last couple of holes. And, you know, as good as he hits it and as far as he hits it, he really did some really marvelous thing around, uh, things around and on the greens coming down the stretch. Uh, the guy is obviously a very fine player, and and you know he's had you know he's he's got ten wins worldwide now. You know we, I know we look at PGA Tour wins, but a couple Irish Opens, uh, you know, pretty impressive in tough conditions. He obviously knows how to play in difficult conditions. I think the guy is the real deal. So being the real deal, now he's ascended to number one in the world. He's the number one ranked player. Your thoughts on the world yeah. golf rankings? Yeah, I, I don't know about the. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure about the computer. I mean, if I think if you polled 100 guys that are really in the know as far as teachers and coaches around the country and asked them to, you know, poll their top five players, I think John would certainly be in the top five. But I don't know if I would personally rank him ahead of, for example, McElroy or a day in and day out Dustin Johnson possibly, who I know is not in his best form right now. But I, I think the computer gets you know, mathematically a little goofy sometimes. Um, you know, I, I think probably more of a fan of like the coaches AP poll or, you know, the old UPI poll in college football, stuff like that. I think I, I'm not fond of the computer. I'd, I'd rather have, you know, some kind of, you know, maybe a hundred, you know, well thought of people in golf or the players voting on it week in and week out. Um, I'm not a big fan of the computer. So, TP, I want to get your thoughts on Muirfield Village itself. Now, I know it's a golf course that you've played a couple of different times. I know Mr. Nicholas right now is in the process of completely tearing that golf course down and, and going to rebuild it. But before we get into the whys around that, talk about your experience playing there. Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's Jack's best work easily, Chris. I mean, uh, Jack's done a lot of great, great golf courses, and, and he's, I think he's, his architectural style has evolved over the years. Some of his early stuff I was not very fond of, but I think the stuff that he's done in the last 10 years has been really quite good. Um, I think just like anything else, you know, you mature as, as a skilled architect. Uh, and I think certainly Muirfield Village is his, is his jewel. Um, the times I've played there, which have not been that recent, but I, I thought a lot of the golf course, it's a, it's a very difficult golf course, but it's a very fair golf course. And it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's very big, you know, it's very big marks for me. Shot values are very high. It's a very good driving golf course. It's an excellent second shot golf course. And the putting surfaces are, are complex, but not, not unreasonable. Uh, 
Of course, on Sunday, it got very, very brown and crusty and it got a little crazy, but that would happen anywhere under those conditions. The fact that he's tearing it up and redoing it, you know, uh, speaks to who Jack is. I mean, he's always trying to make it better, tweak it. I think all great golf courses evolve. I mean, we've seen, we've seen Augusta evolve, and maybe not, not for the best reasons in some cases, but, uh, I'm sure Jack, you know, who, who cares a lot about that piece of land, will do a wonderful job. I think it will probably get more difficult. I think he probably feels like it has to with the standard of play now on the PGA Tour and how far these guys are hitting it and, you know, hitting shorter clubs in some green complexes. I think he'll guard the greens better and make them a little more severe. Um, but I'm sure he'll do a wonderful job with it. What do you think is, is the impetus around it? I mean, you know, the, like you said, the golf course is beautiful. I mean, he's, tearing, he's really tearing everything apart. He's redoing the greens, resurfacing the fairways, redoing some of the bunkers. Is this in reaction to to the distance guys are hitting it? Do you think he's just tired of the design and, and wants to make a whole whole slew of of, uh, of adjustments? Why do you think he's tearing it apart? No, well, I think it's definitely in response to the distance factor. I think it's definitely in response to guys hitting much shorter clubs into greens. Uh, I'm under the impression not only is he changing the green complexes as far as the contours, but I think he's, he's also moving some greens and creating some different angles too. Um, so I think he's trying to make it much more strategic and, and certainly probably, you know, addressing the distance factor. I mean, listen, I think, you know, on, in week one, um, you know, the, 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 pre, the, the prelude to the memorial, um, they, you know, they shot 19 under. And, I, and granted, it was under different conditions and maybe some different tee locations and pin locations, but I'm sure he wasn't happy with 19 under being shot on his golf course. Um, I don't think the new design will allow that to happen again. TV, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the tournament live or if you saw the replay, but on 16, you know, John Rahm chips in from the heavy rough just off the green, and the super slow motion replay showed that when he grounded his club during one of his practice swings, ball moved. After the tournament was over, he got assessed a, a two-stroke penalty. Your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a little confused. Um, because the way the rule is written now, it, it mentions um, something to the, something to, I'm paraphrasing because I don't know exactly what language, but obvious to the naked eye. You know, it had to be obvious to the naked eye that the ball moved. And clearly, super slow motion, wide angle lens, zooming in, is not, you know, the naked eye. So you know, I think you got to get away from, we've already gotten away from people calling in, and, and now we got to get away from, you know, Super slow motion and, and and zooming in on these golf balls because I, I gotta believe that during the course of the week that John Rahm was the only person who grounded his club in really deep rough and had a ball move whether you noticed it or not. So I think when you're leading the golf tournament, you know the eyes are on you; they're a little tighter. I think we gotta go and have a conversation with TV and and not create those wide or those very tight angles to get away from these controversies. I don't think John Rahm did anything intentional. I think the other part of the language of the rule is, that we have to examine very closely, is the word intent. Was there intent to improve your lives? And I don't think there was any intent there. So if there's no intent and it wasn't obvious to the naked eye, is it in fact an infraction? So I think we have to use language that protects the integrity of the game, the integrity of the game but also protects the player, too. Um, so I, I understand that if we, if, if we saw it move, which we did, 
there should be in fact a penalty. But we got we got to write the rule so the game is protected, but the player is also protected. I think. And TP with uh, Ram ascending to number one, he becomes only the second Spaniard to do it uh, outside of Seve. And I know how much you know you revere Seve. Talk about, you know, now with Rom being at number one and, and, and joining Seve, who meant a lot to him and obviously does to, you know, so many of the of the Spaniards that play the game and to the Europeans as well. Talk about Rom being now mentioned in the same breath as Seve. Well, I, I, again, I think we go back to the computer and the relevance of the computer. Um, and no disrespect meant to John Rom, but John Rom, at this juncture, maybe that will change in the future, at this juncture, couldn't carry Seve's bag. Okay, I mean, uh, and again, no disrespect to John Rahm, but John Rahm is not Seviano Ballesteros in any way, shape, or form. And I think he would, I think he would say the same thing, quite frankly. But that being said, I think the Spanish Armada is incredible. Whether you go with Seve, or Conazaris, or Alacabal, or, or Sergio, and John Rahm now, uh, Jimenez, I mean, this, it, that country has produced some unbelievable golf talent, incredible golf talent. And if you look at the Spanish players, they all got it done just a little bit differently. Um, a lot of creativity, um, some more mechanical, some more free, you know, freelance. Um, that, that country has produced some incredible talent. Uh, and John Rahm is just the, the latest of that crop. Um, obviously a big Seve fan, but I was a big Alaska fan also. And, uh, it's just amazing that the golf talent that's come out of that country, and, and John is, uh, I'm sure, very proud of that accomplishment and being mentioned alongside Seth, for sure. TP with um, Bryson DeChambeau hitting a, another couple of 400-plus yard drives <laughs> this past week. Now, didn't make the cut in, in, in the tournament, in the memorial part of the tournament, um, but you know, as, as we talk about, you know, Mr. Nicholas tearing apart the golf course, but you know that Watching DeChambeau hit 400-yard drives on his golf course has to be driving him nuts. And he's been saying for decades that we got to roll the golf ball back. Is that is that the solution, or does or do designers like Mr. Nicholas got to start putting out you know hazards at the 320, 350-yard mark? Got to start growing up the rough. Got to do what they did at the Memorial. To protect a golf course from guys that are now driving it that far. So I, I think let's, let's let's do two things, Chris. Here. Let's first of all let's let's first of all just make sure we understand that John that the Bryson did not make the cut at Memorial, right? So so obviously you can hit it as far as you want, but if you don't get an employee and you can't spin the golf ball, you know it's not going to work out very well. Um, so you know I think the way we protect the golf course is make sure that the driving areas at that distance. At those distances are a little bit more penal, whether it's bunkers or whether it's rough or whether it's the actual width of the fairway. Because if you know as well as I do, Chris, if you get down there in the inside 100 yard range and you've got a tuck pin and you can't spin the ball because you're in the rough, it doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do you any good at all. So I think you're going to see course setup become more adaptive to the driving areas being more penal. And in Jack's case, I'm sure he's going to take that into consideration. With the, not only the length of the golf ball, but where the golf ball is going to land and how severe those areas are. Tom, switching gears a little bit, let's let's talk some uh, some short game tips. I'm going to get in your wheelhouse with your uh, you're saying short game, short game, short game. So I want, I want to talk about from 100 yards in, 
So if we're at the 100-yard mark, and let's say for our, for intents and purposes, that sand wedge, if I hit a, if I hit a hard sand wedge, I can get it 100 yards. Is that the right play at 100 yards? Or should I be taking a look at, you know, clubbing down a little bit, maybe going with a gap wedge, maybe choking down on a gap wedge, or maybe a three-quarter swing with a gap wedge for control? What should I be doing at 100 yards in if it's my sand wedge, but it's my sand wedge full on? Well, Chris, you know how much I love you, right? I love you more than anybody else in the whole world. But as soon as you said the word hard, you, you lost me. Hard and short game don't go together. So if you and I, if you and I were in a bar having a beer together and we decided to play the game of darts, we would throw that dart in a short, crisp stroke with a lot of precision. We wouldn't take our hand and, and swing it back over our right, our left ear and throw the thing as hard as we could because we're trying to hit a mark. So I don't ever hit any short irons. And I, and I, I teach people, I, I call short irons just from seven irons to gap wedge or to L wedge. Uh, I don't hit any full shots with my short irons into green. So when I look at a putting surface, I look at it like a pie. There's a back left pin, there's a back right pin, front left pin, and a front right pin. And not only do I want to hit a short iron on a green, but I want to try to hit the short iron into the same quadrant on the green that the pin is located in. Because that's how you make birdies. You gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta change the proximity of your first putt. So, for example, my gap wedge full, goes about 115 yards on the golf course. That gap wedge is about a 101, 102, 103 club. Okay. I change obviously the length of the handle. I choke down on the club a little bit. I obviously change the size of my backswing and follow through. My tempo changes a little bit and maybe depending if I want to fight the ball down, my ball position might change. So one of the things I insist on is that when you go to a range in practice or your practice ground, that you don't, hit full shots with short clubs, you practice hitting modified golf swing shots with those clubs to dial in distances that are more consistent, carry distances that are more consistent, and you change the dispersion and maybe even the trajectory of those golf shots, you practice the way you're going to play. And I don't think many people do. They go to the range and they make full swings with every club in their bag and they, you know, their, their scattergram out there is pretty big. Their dispersion pattern is too wide. You've got to dial those clubs in. And Tom, since the invent of the 60-degree lob wedge, a lot of folks have fallen in love with that club, using it from you know 70 yards, 60 yards. Again, taking a you know big swing with a with a with a, uh, a lob wedge. Talk about when we should be pulling a lob wedge out of the bag and when we should not. So again, Chris, goes back to the same explanation for me. I I have a 58-degree club in my bag that is my that is my quote-unquote lob wedge. And if I, if I, if I did want to hit it full, I could probably hit it about 80 yards in the air. Um, on the golf course, it's a 50 yard and in club for me. It's a precision club. It's a specialty club. I don't hit many shots up in the air with that club. Uh, I don't, I certainly don't hit it outside 50 yards. Um, it's more of a pitching club for me. It's more of a specialty club for me. It's a bunker club for me on occasion. It's a greenside pitch and run club. It's an over-the-bunker pitch club, um, but it's very rarely a full. It's, it, it, no, I'm sorry, let me take that back. It's never a full swing club for me. So it's a tool that's used as a specialty instrument. And I think that people who watch golf on TV see Phil do things with an L wedge that are magical, but I think we have to keep in mind that Phil might have the greatest hands on the planet ever besides Seve. 
stay in second to Seve, and they can do things with their hands and with those clubs that the, the mere mortal that we are can't, cannot do and we shouldn't try to do. So we have to understand our limitations with that club. P.P., you mentioned a moment ago sliding the ball down, maybe moving it back in your stance. Talk about if we've got a wind or we want to flight the ball a little bit lower, how do we set up to the golf ball and how do we pull that off? Well, that's a great question. Because, you know, growing up as a kid on eastern Long Island, which, where it gets really windy, um, and then playing my college golf in Florida where it was windy, I, I was, you know, forced to learn how to flight the ball down and hit shots on a lower trajectory a lot, especially, you know, when you played golf in the late fall on Long Island, it really blew hard, and, you know, sending the ball up in the air was not an option. So I instinctively learned those things, but translating it now as a teacher, as a coach, you know, things you do is you choke down on the handle, you play the ball further back in your stance, you might put a little more weight on your left side, and you might lean the shaft a little bit more forward, and then you're going to cut off your follows when finish. You know, you know, the great Harvey Pennick said, you know, high shot, high finish, low shot, low finish, uh, flight the ball down. Um, so I think the shot that I think a lot of people would benefit from if they learned how to hit those shots, again, don't go to the golf course and learn how to hit that shot. Let's, let's work on it on the range or in the practice ground for a long period of time until we really have command of it. And let's not try to hit it and execute it in a pressure-packed situation unless we've got a lot of reps under our belt. Tom, just a couple more before I let you go. And I want to get right up on around the green. When we're chipping to an elevated green, should we be trying to hit the ball high and all the way back to the pin with, with that L wedge, with that lob wedge? Or is it better to use a pitching wedge or a lower lofted wedge and let the ball bump and release back to the hole? What's your preference? Well, of course, that's a great question. I think that's certainly something I see the amateur making a lot of mistakes with. But I think a lot of conditions have to be examined first before you come up with an answer. And the first thing you have to examine is the lie. Will the lie allow you to hit a lower shot? Because if the lie is poor, you need you need loft as your friend. And then after you've examined the lie, if the lie gives you the green light, how much green do I have to work with? And what's the condition of the green? Is it soft or soggy or is it firm? You know, where's the pin located? How much green do I have to work with? Uh, is there any is there any kind of tear on the green that I have to climb up? Um, and what and what what are my what are my options as far as percentage play and my skill level? So I think there's a lot of things that go into making those decisions, and I think people t- tend to grab one club that they call their favorite club, and they play it universally. And listen, you can't fit a square peg in a round hole. So I think you need an arsenal of shots and and understanding the technique and hitting different shots and make the right choice from a percentage standpoint before you, you know, you go ahead and execute the shot. So, you know, you can put me, you can put three balls for me side by side and put a pin 60 feet away from me, and the first thing I'm going to do is examine the lie. If there are three different lies, even though I have the same shot in front of me, I'm going to hit three different golf shots, and possibly with three different golf clubs. So a lot of things go into making those decisions. TP, before I let you go, like I uh, mentioned in your intro, You've got a great show of your own now on Thursday nights, 8 o'clock on Instagram Live. Uh, your guest coming up this Thursday is, the name sounds familiar, but I can't place him. Who you got coming up? So on Thursday night, Chris, on my Instagram Live show at 8 o'clock, I've got a fella who's one of my favorites in the whole world coming on, one of the great, great personalities and great, great, you know, ambassadors in the game of golf in Christmas Carol. He has a, a show called Next on the Tee, a podcast called Next on the Tee. 
Um, so, and, 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 you know, he's a pretty controversial fellow. The only problem I think I'm going to have with this guest coming on Thursday night is his baseball preferences, which we'll discuss, <laughs> you know, that night. So if people want to tune in and hear two guys, you know, make each other bleed from their ears, it'll be a great <laughs> show. I mean, uh, I'm really looking forward to having you on. I think it's going to be really great for your listeners who really not necessarily don't know how handsome you are. They're going to get to see your face <laughs> live on screen. Just make sure that you have your makeup and eyeliner on correctly and, and, you, wear your best, and you wear your best dress, you wear your best shirt and dress on because we, and get your hair done. We want you to look good for everybody. No doubt. I'll, I'll have my Sunday best, my friend. I'll, all for you. Perfect. I love you. Hey, by the way, by the way, yep. you know, baseball, baseball season starts this week. I want to go on. I want to go on the record right now. Are, are we are we going to do a little? Are we having a little wager on the American League East this year or not? Oh, hey, you can't. I can't have a wager on the American League East. I, I got uh, you know. I, I got uh, what nine guys named Mo playing for the Red Sox now. I mean, no Mookie Betts, no <laughs> where, David Price. I got nothing. Where is, I, where I got is, Xander Bogarts and eight guys named Mo. Where is Mookie, by the way? Where did Mookie go? Oh, that's right. He's yeah, in LA he's with, now, isn't he? That's right. He's, yeah, he's okay. a Dodger now. David Price is a Dodger way, now. Chris Sale's got the Tommy the John. Way, I got nothing. By the way, how about that Dodger lineup right now? Is that crazy? Yeah, they're good. Be tough to beat, but you know, sixty games. Hell, my Pirates got a shot at winning everything. You know, when it's a sixty-game sprint. <laughs> now, now we're gonna be able to jump on the bandwagon of the Pirates this year. Oh, come on! Let's uh, uh, that now. You, <laughs> Don't be you gotta have something, TP. <laughs> TP, let our listeners no, know how they can follow you on social media, my friend. Obviously, Facebook, two pages, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, all, all the obvious places, Twitter. But I'm really looking forward to Thursday night and having you on at 8 o'clock. It's going to be kind of the highlight of my year, pal. They can, so they can join in on Thursday night and they'll, they'll, they'll see us you know, just go at it. You know, gloves on, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> Looking forward to it, my friend. It ought to be a lot of fun. TP, stay safe out there now. You're driving around and doing all the things you're doing. Stay safe, and I look forward to the show Thursday night. You're the best, pal. Look forward to seeing you Thursday night, pal. Thanks for having me on. You bet. See you, brother. That's a great Tom Patry. TomPatry.com. P-A-T-R-I. Patry. So uh, check us out Thursday night on Instagram Live. Should be a lot of fun. TP gets to turn the tables on me. So looking forward to that, and make sure you give him a follow. 